Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Making Do podcast. I'm Emily Kerfinell, and this is a new podcast series with creative inspiration for makers growing businesses in lean times. A little background on the podcast. I'm the founder at Wholesale in a Box, a subscription service that helps makers get their handmade lines into brick and mortar stores. We are seeing firsthand how severely the stores and makers we serve have been affected by the pandemic, but we're also seeing incredible ingenuity, generosity, and innovation. We're seeing makers making do. So this podcast series is an experiment. I want to share stories of the challenges makers are facing, as well as creative approaches they're experimenting with. Today, I'm talking to Rachel Calhoun of Windblown Jewelry. Her line of brass and gold minimalist jewelry has grown from being a piece or two sold in the shop she was working in to being sold across the country in a dozen stores with a team of five. Rachel tells us how she has adapted her team, her studio, her schedule, her launch schedule, and countless other things during this time. She speaks to her real struggles, but also shares her inspiring optimism and creativity in what she is doing with Windblown now. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, excited to talk. So let's jump in. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey as a maker? Yes. So my name is Rachel Calhoun. I am the, I don't know, owner, founder of Windblown Jewelry. And um, we really, I say we, but it was just me when I started Um I have been making jewelry since I was a wee little thing, probably a middle schooler. I even sold jewelry outside of our local Lowe's Foods grocery store. And um, I would go with my mom on her home health visits and um, I would be making jewelry and scarves actually. And I would sell them to her patients and her coworkers and people around. So I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur, but um, right now my craft has... um, it's really honed in and we just make super simple gold and brass jewelry that you can throw on with literally anything you're wearing and it just elevates your look, helps you feel confident and ready to go for the day. Um, and so it's it's definitely been a journey getting there. But since middle school, um, I worked at a boutique um, and I saw the jewelry that we were selling. And I thought I could do this and I could probably make cuter stuff in for cheaper. And so I started <laughs> dabbling in that. It went really, really well. I loved connecting with people and just being creative and, and the running the business part of it. And um, it's kind of grown from there. And now we have, goodness, um, three employees and um, well, technically five employees, but two of them are much more part-time than the others. So it's been a crazy ride, but really, really fun. And I feel so thankful that this is my job. Okay. So that's amazing. And I get the sense that you're someone who has been thoughtful about how you've grown windblown over Mm. time. So let's just go back into that a little bit. How many years ago did you start? Where did you originally start selling the jewelry? And then how did that shift over time? Yes. So I began windblown in 2012. 
I'm laughing because that used to be, it is no longer, so you can't hack me, but that used to be like in all of my passwords. So it's really easy for me to remember. (laughs) Um, But 2012 is when I began Windblown. It was actually Easter weekend. um, And I remember um, like launching my website was uh, Easter weekend. And um, really, I probably did not need a website at that point, but I felt like I needed a website to make me, you know, legit and that that would validate me. But Mm -hmm. um, really what I was doing was I had just caught on to a trend at the boutique that I was working at. And um, it was actually at the time it was these like bead, I made these rings, wire wrapped rings that were, had crosses on them and then like bracelets with crosses and then skull bracelets like it was it was very different than I have now but um people really enjoyed them and I think one thing that was so cool about working at the boutique was I could get face-to-face interaction with my customers and hear hear what they wanted more of hear you know what they liked what colors they were liking what styles and so I really shifted around a lot. But um so that was in 2012 and I was blessed with, you know, that outlet to sell um through the boutique I was working working at, but I also did sell online and um at that point I probably just kind of on my personal Instagram and Facebook and all of that put it out there that I was doing jewelry and um I mean, people have been so, that's just the coolest thing. People have been so receptive from the very beginning. And um, I mean, you know, anytime I'd get an order then, and still even now, I feel like, I can't believe they believe in me, you know, like they want this stuff. It's awesome. So Mm -hmm. um, I really just owe so much to everyone who has supported me, you know, from the very beginning. But so I, yeah, I sold through that boutique. Um, I did have a website, but I really didn't make many sales um, through that. I would just direct people to come to the boutique or, you know, we would meet up or figure out something. Um, And what, what was the last part of that question? Well, and then from the boutique, did you start doing markets? Did you expand to other shops? Yes. Yes. Um, I did. I actually mainly stayed in that boutique because it was really easy because I was there a lot. Um, But from that point on, I didn't start market. So that was 2012. I then, that was in Wilmington, North Carolina. I then moved to um, Raleigh, North Carolina. And that was in 2013. And I actually had put a pause on, I would have a couple online orders here and there. Um, But I kind of, you know, I didn't know I was in a new place. I didn't know I didn't have a connection with boutiques or anything. I didn't know the people. I was getting used to a new place. So I wasn't pursuing my business as much. But then a local coffee shop, it's called Sola Coffee. Um, and it's an incredible place. Um, six years ago, they had their first pop-up market. And or maybe it was seven now. Yeah, because it's 2020. So they had their first pop-up market and I thought they put a call out for vendors and I was like, oh my gosh, 
I could get my jewelry stuff back out. I could sell my jewelry. I want to do that. Mm. So I pulled it all back out and I, I was making jewelry and the whole kitchen table was, you know, like spread, it was spread everywhere. And I remember saying to my roommate, I was like, Kayla, I feel alive. Like (laughs) I picked it back up and I was so thrilled to just be creating again. And that was my first real introduction into kind of the pop-up market scene, which has now been such a huge part of growing our business. And actually that pop-up market, um, not too long ago on my Instagram, I posted a picture of me at a pop-up now. And then if you swipe, you get to see that pop-up market. And it's so funny to see the difference. Like now we're very branded, Mm -hmm. um, very honed in. Back then I was selling jewelry, scarves, succulents and I sold I spray painted rocks and glued them to magnets and I was mm. like I had you know everything in wow. the world yeah which I would definitely suggest people just hone in on one thing and do that well but still um it was good to just get started because then I could see what people liked and um and you know we went from there so that was my introduction to pop-up markets and from then I just the response was really positive so we just kept moving forward in pop-up markets. And that was kind of my main way of selling. And, um, and I, from the markets, I would get people, um, familiar with my website and Instagram so that they could come back and shop with me, um, if they needed to. And then you're in some really great stores across the country. Did that kind of happen organically also through social media? Yeah, it really did. Um, so I've been through and yeah, man, this is where I should probably get your help. (laughs) I've been through so many um, ups and downs with wholesale. I'm kind of bipolar with it. I feel like we're going to do wholesale because it's so great because I can get these, you know, bigger orders and and then I'm done with it. And, And then the next day I'll be like, no, 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 no wholesale, you know, just let's do this and that. So, um, wholesale, we have really dabbled in it. I don't know that there's ever been a time that I have given it great attention and, um, and really tried to, you know, make that work for our business. But I think the reason being that I am so driven by, you know, relationship with my customer and what's on the forefront of my mind is more so, oh, how can I serve? I tend to think of my individual customer interacting with me mm-hmm. instead of that middleman, which actually it it is all good, right? And mm-hmm. And that it's awesome to build relationships with the wholesalers and support brick and mortars because that's definitely something um, – you know, now that I think we have to kind of rally to to help them out, even before all of this craziness, I just yeah. have so much respect for people who have a brick and mortar store. Um, so a lot, most of my wholesale has happened. A few happened because I was reaching out to them um, in, you know, one period of we're really going to do wholesale. Mm-hmm. And then the others happened um, just truly through, um, I would say Instagram is our best best, uh, outlet for people to find us. And, um, a few actually through markets, they would come up and say, you know, I have this boutique or, you know, my sister-in-law has this boutique. I'm going to give her your card. And, um, so yeah, that, that has been our wholesale journey. We, we probably really need to get better at that. (laughs) 
Yeah, but it, it sounds like over time you've adapted and shifted and responded to what's worked and what you feel drawn to do. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that I had is, you know, the name of this podcast is making do in mm-hmm. the sense of kind of making do with the resources you have and making the best of it. Yeah. Um, do you see that kind of ethos in your work? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that to me, when I read that and hear that, it feels like being scrappy <laughs> and mm-hmm. we are super scrappy. And, um, that's actually one thing about the coronavirus and this big shift in our world right now that I, I mean, I don't mean to be insensitive, but I'm kind of excited about because it's brought mm. back this scrappy mindset, which is how I got the business to where it is. I'm thankful for that because it's gotten me back to um, my mindset of, yes, just um, kind of like what is the is what are the essentials? What do we need to do what we need to do? And maybe it's not, you know, my, my dream, maybe it's not my dream photo shoot. Maybe it's not my dream mailer that we're mailing out. Maybe it's not my dream, all of these things, but does it work? Is it like, you know, representative of our brand, these things? I'm just, I'm very thankful because I think I was even getting to a place where I felt a bit like too big for my britches, like, mm. oh, everything's going well, sales are just rolling in, you know, and it's easy to get too comfortable there. And, um, and, and really, I think we had a lot of things, a lot of things that we were spending money on that weren't necessary. And so I am thankful to have to hone it in and think, hey, what do we really need? And it's very refreshing to me. Um, and I do, I feel back back to my normal scrappy self. But so, I mean, from the very beginning, um, let's say for like for my pop-up displays, I would use um, furniture and fixtures from thrift stores. You know, um, I would honestly, a lot of the furniture, um, probably some still uh, in my apartment at that time was you know, like I found a really cool sewing table that I would use for my displays. Um, and I'm pretty sure I got that on the side of a dumpster mm-hmm. and <laughs> so free. And people would always comment like, wow, what a unique table, you know, that's so neat. And then, you know, I just, the things I used were all probably free or less than $3 at a thrift store, you know, mm-hmm. um, forever I did not. And in fact, we, we, yeah, forever I didn't have, what you would call legit business cards. I would cut craft paper, like a thick uh, craft paper out. And I had a stamp that I got from a thrift store that um, you could, you know, make the stamp with the letters. And so it said windblown on the front. And then on the back, it just had um, our website. And I would hand those out, you know, so they cost me my time, but I would hand those out and people would be like, this is the coolest card, you know, like it was so unique, but it was unique to them. To me, I was like, well, cool. This is because I can't afford a Moo card, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean, just so many things, like even, even at the markets, um, now I try to, you know, really support the places, but so many times in the beginning, even if it's like a place with food or, or, you know, coffee, drinks, whatever, I would probably pack like a PB&J and carrots and, you know, pretzels and an apple and eat that at the market instead of like, you know, spending all this money. So just any way that it could, that I could cut costs, um, I did that. And, 
And like I said, again, I'm kind of excited to getting back to that because um, there's something really fun about it and creative and, and it works your mind in a, a new way when um, when you don't have a ton of options or resources. I'm sorry, resources, then you come up with other options. So right. one of my last favorite tips on that is um, really just like trying to collaborate with other makers and other people in our industry that could can use our help. So I you know, I really love, love, love to trade things. So getting other people's product for your product and you both feel like you just won the lottery and, um, or maybe it's, you know, photography, somebody who's just starting out, but they're good and they've got a skill and they're looking to build their portfolio. Like, you know, I can give them some jewelry and have them shoot these couple of photos for me. And look at that. We both get some, you know, PR there and, um, a a collaboration and we get the things that we need. So I love trading as well. And then how has, how has coronavirus over the last few weeks affected you and your team and your company? Yeah. So, um, it has affected us. Um, Sales, I would say, are not as low as I would expect, which I'm really thankful for. And it, it's great because each, you know, order that comes in, I just have a renewed thankfulness for. Um, but there are, we are about 50%, our revenue comes in about 50% from markets and 50% online. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I when I say sales, I mean online sales. So, um so the markets with our markets being canceled for the foreseeable future, that obviously will um, be a hit for our business. Um, but again, I know it's it's so funny. I just and maybe it's just because we're at the beginning, but I, I feel like I have, um, you know, a good attitude about this of like, hey, how can we get through? Cool. We just need to shift and, you know, figure out what is going to work these days. And um, maybe it is just, you know, releasing some of those goals of, you know, what what I wanted us to make this year, but um, seeing how we can do the best with what we have. So mm-hmm. um, it definitely has changed our work environment. We actually, this is so funny. We actually just moved into a small office studio space you could call it um in the back of a coffee shop that we love and um so we moved in february and then really you know half of march and foreseeable future we're not going to be able to be there so it's so funny the other day i was carrying you know it feels like i just loaded everything in and now right. i'm kind of loading things out so i can oh work gosh. at home again um so that's what's funny right now i'm sitting in our um second room second bedroom which was supposed to be cleared up for my daughter to be her room um but we've just left her i have a 9 month old daughter we've left her in our room for the time being and this has become our our office again for my husband is also working at home so that is definitely different um we my team um i had to go back to doing a lot of the production instead of um we had a girl who was on production and actually the timing of that was kind of nice because we were about to transition, um, the position and, um, and hire someone else. But instead mm. of hiring, I just decided for this time, I'll just set aside, um, you know, time to, to 
truly do the production again. So um, that's also fun to get back to the actual making of the jewelry. Um, because when I had had my baby, I made it so that my team could truly run without me for a few mm -hmm. months. And they did. They ran the business, which was um, so much fun. So um, when I came back, I really just had to steer the business and, you know, see where we're going and try and be a great manager. Um, so now I'm back in production as well. So um, yeah, it's just, it's, it is, it definitely looks a little different. Our team does zoom calls now um, once a week, but I also kind of joke to them that like, they are ready for this coronavirus yeah. has nothing on them because they are used to things changing at a moment's notice all the time with me as their boss. Yeah. <laughs> and we had worked remotely up until just recently. And so um, I think we were, you know, well prepared. And so it's, it hasn't been such a huge shift for us. And we actually are still able to run um, shipping out of our office space since it's just my one employee who does shipping. She's just the one going into the office now to do that. So yeah, it has been definitely a shift. So, and you haven't needed to, with your team of three to five, depending how you count, you haven't needed to reduce hours or let anybody go temporarily, even though your market income dried up for the moment. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I have done is, um, the, thankfully, um, all of the women, it's all ladies that, um, work with us and currently, um, so we, I'll talk about my three like main girls on my team. We have, um, someone who does soldering, which is like, um, connection with heat for jewelry. Um, so I do, I do about half the production. She does the other half. Um, so anyway, so we still have her, um, and then, um, a girl, Ella, she's like my right hand woman. She does markets for applications. She does kind of like assistant events, customer service. She just, everything kind of logistics wise, she takes care of. And then, um, uh, a girl on shipping, Becca. So for Ella, things have, um, Actually, last month she got her, or this for March, she got her um, highest check ever because we did, we ran a warehouse sale, which I can talk about in a little bit. But so that was awesome. I thought, hey, this is really great that, in fact, she's getting more hours than normal. Mm. Um, Becca knows, and thankfully, all of them have um, husbands who have other jobs, so they are not relying. This is not like their sole income, and okay. it's always been part-time work for them, Okay, um, which is you know, I mean, I would love to always give them more hours, but it's not something that obviously they're going to make some lifestyle changes, but it's not something that is so drastic for them. Um, but yes, Becca with shipping, um, I just, I had to say, you know, I'm, I really hate this, but basically, whereas normally we try and keep her hours pretty consistent weekly and she'll work on separate projects or things around the office if the orders aren't um, there to keep her busy. But at this point, we've just put a pause on those extra products and um, extra projects and things. So she's going in one time a week to ship instead of two times just to consolidate that. Mm -hmm. So 
she is taking a bit of a cut. Um, and then sadly, our um, we have uh, some refugee women that we work with um, who make some of the jewelry and we are unable to meet with them in this time. Um, but we're working on a way to, although we cannot employ them to still support them a bit um, through the sales of our upcoming products. Mm. So yes, it has been, um, I guess there are cuts, but I am, I am very thankful. I mean, it would be very hard if I, you know, employed people full time and this was their main means of, of supporting their family. That would definitely be, um, a different, different story. I probably wouldn't be as, uh, <laughs> excited as I still am. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and it's interesting because the mix of channels that you ended up with in terms of half online, and yeah. that not going down that much, that's been important because I think for a lot of people for whom wholesale is a bigger percentage, mm-hmm. it's been a bigger hit right now. Absolutely. What are new projects or experiments you're working on at Windblown? So one thing we did that really also I think embodies your, you know, making do is we had a warehouse sale. And what that was, was I just gathered, um, you, I'm kind of borderline hoarder, right? So I never throw things away. So uh-huh. um, I, I thought, okay, you know, I just always want to find a use or something. So, you know, if it's a small piece of chain or it's a, you know, a necklace that the pendant was dented or whatever, I've been kind of keeping those things away and thinking, well, maybe we can have kind of like a scratch and dent sale, you know, like REI does or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we actually launched that, um, I guess it was two Saturdays ago and that was awesome we had, let me see, I think we had about, probably about 150 products that were, you know, kind of one-offs or they were rings that had, um, you know, slight damage or different. I mean, there were so many different things, um, a myriad of things. And we launched, we tried to, you know, really hype that up. I was really excited about it and um, kind of didn't know how it would go, but we launched the sale on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And I got on my computer, you know, a little bit before just kind of waiting. And I can see on my website, I sell via Shopify. I can see on my website how many people are on, you Mm -hmm. know, like a live view. And right at 10 o'clock, there were 170 people on our website ready to shop this thing. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's not even enough product for everyone to get one thing. Like I was like, this is crazy. And I just, I could, I was just imagining 170 people like in a group. And I thought, right, I cannot believe this many people are ready on our website to shop. But it was bonkers. People kept messaging us and we were essentially sold out of everything within 12 minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We had a few products that were left, but um, I mean, I just kept yelling to my husband at what we were up to in sales, you know, every few minutes. And I was just truly, truly in awe. I... It was like, it was another level instead of there's kind of this like, wow, I'm so excited. This is awesome. You know, and I get so excited, but I was just like quiet and just like staring and I couldn't even make thoughts come. I was just (laughs) like, 
are you serious? But I was just so thankful for our people. They just rallied and yeah, people had stuff in their carts. They, so many people messaged us and were like, I had this in my cart and I was checking out and I only got one of the four things, you know, because somebody else snatched it or did it before. And so that was a really, really fun and super successful thing that we did. And I think that's something that makers could do. Um, I really suggest for them to do, especially in this time, because people want to support small business, but they might not feel like they have as much money as you know normal. So sales and, and things of that nature. And the other thing that we did is... Um, yeah, tried to just do like a limited time. And there was obviously limited stock, which just, Mm -hmm. I mean, it works on me too. And I know all of this marketing stuff, but I'm like, oh, (laughs) oh, I got to get on. You know, there's only this much and and I've got to be ready at this time. So that really, really worked. And it's a great way to, I mean, we made thousands of dollars on what I had laying around. Things I had already Um, purchased and, you know, they were doing me no good. And so that was really great. And I think we'll probably do that again, you know, maybe in the summer, something like that, because I still, I, I didn't finish all of, you know, polishing up or shining or whatever, all the products that we have. So I still have some things. So we'll hold on to that one and, and do that again in the future. But that was really, really successful. Another thing that we have is um, we were, so this is a shift from Corona. We were going to launch an entire product line in May, May 1st. Okay. But as soon as this stuff started coming out, um, it was kind of right in our timeline of this is really heavy. This is when we need to get the photo shoot happening. This is when um, I would need to put a lot of money out there to get the line produced, you know, just on supplies and, and labor and all of this stuff. So we decided to pause that. And um, I still have, you know, the designs and, and um, those will be released at some point. But what we're going to do instead is launch a few new products, just three. Um, on April 18th. And so I'm really excited about that. We're actually doing a bit of a secret deal. So I'm not sure when this will air, but mm-hmm. um, perhaps, yeah, your people would be interested in that. But we're going to we're gonna do a, a deal because I feel like in times like this, although we do want to be wise with our money, it's so tempting to just cling so tightly to what we have instead yeah. of be generous. And so I'm like, you know what, let's be generous to our people and our customers. And um, I really do think that we'll see that back. So, so we've been excited because we've, we've had these, these, you know, this launch and the warehouse sale and these projects, which have really kept us going. I think if we didn't have those on the radar, it would be a very sad and confusing time. Um, But right now we've been keeping ourselves busy and we're just keeping a positive attitude and trusting that it will all, all work out. What was the biggest influence in deciding not to launch uh, the new collection and to push in just to do the more limited launch? Really, it was just uh, taking a step back and looking at the numbers of what it was going to cost us. And to be honest, I think coronavirus or not, I'm really thankful that we paused that because like I was talking about earlier, that feeling of, I just had gotten in this mindset of, 
oh, our business is growing. Oh, things are going so well. So I had just begun to think, of course, we'll need to spend more money on X, Y, and Z. Of mm-hmm. course, we need this and that, which um, really worked itself out in a photo shoot that I set the budget way too high. Um, okay. The the people we were working with are so awesome and I love them and it was going to be our dream photo shoot. Um, but what I've had to realize is, guess what? While that would probably like, you know, elevate our brand some and this and that, we have an awesome customer base at, that is going to buy from us of course, we still want to look professional and crisp and clean and on brand, but we can do that with much, much less. For instance, all the warehouse sale photos, um, my girl Ella, she just took on her phone, you know, with our paper backgrounds. And there we go. We made a lot of money from that. Mm-hmm. So um, just really having to figure out, ooh, is this what we want or is this, you know, is this extra or is this truly necessary? Um, for the business. And I think so often we can, as business owners, we just feel like, well, we see this person doing that and, oh, this looks so professional or I want to be there, but it just doesn't make sense, you know, as a business. So um, to stay in business and really, I think um, like, for instance, with an office space too, I had wanted an office space. That was just such a dream for so long. And I'm glad I waited as long as I did. And even so, we've gotten really cheap rent for that. But I think so often people can so quickly be like, oh, we need a space. Oh, we need this. Oh, we need that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really do find the the more that I kind of hold off on those things, the the, the more thankful that I am. And um and it's just so surprising what you can do with very, very little. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Is there anything, it sounds like you've been doing a really good job staying really positive about all the mm-hmm. changes. And even with the things that you've had to cut or cancel or change, right? seeing the gift in each of those. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that has been really hard for you during this mm-hmm. time, emotionally or practically? Yeah. Yeah, I would. So, yes, it it feels, um, well, I guess it is business related. So um, occasionally I will find myself just a little antsy and frustrated, mm-hmm. right? Just that deep feeling of like, huh, okay, what, why am I feeling, you know, it's, it's that I think what's working out in me is just a loss of control. And, um, the way that that shows itself is I might get really frustrated that like, oh my goodness, our house is not clean in this way, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, I can't believe I didn't get my workout in today and I'll get really, you know, upset about that. And it's like, whoa, 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 something else is going on because mm-hmm. what is happening here? Um, or, you know, I'll try and find something to kind of like pick at my husband about. And then I think Mm -hmm. this is not the issue. You know, there's (laughs) something going on inside of me. And, um, yeah, I do think it's when I feel out of control that I begin to just right feel that anxiety. Um, which to be honest, all of these, you know, next projects and these things are kind of me being like, I can control this. Right. I can focus on this part. Right. So I mean, whether it is so healthy or, you know, right. um, I'm not actually sure it it might be 
better for me to have a bit of an attitude of like, hey, we're going to try this and we we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I, yeah, I just tend to kind of think, but I, I always operate this way. I tend to think that things are going to go great. And then when they don't, I'm just like, okay, well, how do we fix it? You know? <laughs> so, um, I, I love a podcast. It's, uh, Craig Groeschel. He has a leadership podcast and he, he calls, you know, leaders of organizations, um, CPSs, chief problem solvers. Mm. And when you see yourself as that, that your job is to solve problems, it just makes things easier. Like, Hey, problems are going to come up and my job is to solve them. And, yeah, I love like I love competition. I love looking at things kind of in almost like a almost gamifying things. And so I'm like, okay, what can we do? You know, so I I love I love a good problem. It energizes me. But yeah, I would say that um that I have definitely had moments of feeling just anxious and I think I think the hardest thing so I'm kind of oh, I feel like I'm getting over it now. Um but in the beginning what really made me feel the most uneasy was leading my team. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, how am I going to, you know, what are we going to say? How am I going to communicate well with them? Because I felt like this was all hitting me yet. And I was trying to deal with it yet. I needed to communicate a clear direction and vision for them and like right. where we're going. And, um, and so for probably, I mean, it was probably, you know, two or three days that I felt like, Hmm, I don't really know what's, what's happening here. And then, you know, there's the temptation to just kind of like hide from them and be like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll revisit this later, you know? And, um, but at this point I have figured out a plan and I feel very confident moving forward in that plan. And I do have a resource. Um, there's a woman, her name is M Sexton and she owns a boutique in the area and but she also is a um, a speaker and does all sorts of things and anyway she had a training um about managing it's a webinar about managing through the coronavirus crisis which um I took and that brought me so much freedom um mm. and really just provided a lot of great steps she even has scripts on like what can you say to your employees you know um just kind of like what to expect and how to lead and so i really really appreciated that and um you know one thing that stuck out to me is probably the the best advice that i got from that was first you have to care for yourself before you can care for your employees um Secondly, to just really listen well in this time and, um, you know, empathize and, and then also to just keep communication, just keep communicating, keep communicating, keep communicating, because Mm -hmm. when we don't communicate, people make up a story in their mind and in a time of, you know, fear and anxiety, it can often be, um, a wrong and, you know, anxious story instead mm-hmm. of the truth. So mm-hmm. just keep communicating with our team. So I have daily check-ins with um, Ella, who is the one kind of really working the most with me. Um, we do just a 15 minute at lunchtime check-in. Um, and then we do a weekly Zoom call meeting for um, everyone else in the team just to stay on the same page. So that sounds like a great resource. We'll um, find that and link to that in the show notes for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And then just as a, a last question, Rachel, before I let you go, um, 
do you have any other, you've shared a lot of great insights, but do you have any other advice for other business owners, other makers who have seen, seen their income sources shift or disappear during this time? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I would just say, um, to be creative and think of there is not just, you know, there aren't just two options. It's not just, oh my gosh, my business is going to thrive or it's going to fail. You know, it's, there are always so many more options than what we think. And so just think creatively and that's, what's gotten you this far and Mm -hmm. that's what's gotten you to this point. And you have done a great job of that. So employ those creative, you know, muscles again. And, and to look at if you can kind of separate this, this problem, this, you know, yeah, the coronavirus, if you can appropriately grieve it and, and, and grieve the change and the loss that it will, that it will bring Mm -hmm. and then look at it as like, all right, like that's it. I'd like to just like look at things like a game, like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? What can we do? And, and maybe you lower your standards a little bit and provide a lot of grace for yourself in this time. Maybe instead of, you know, like, you know, maybe instead of bringing in a thousand dollars a week, you're like, let's just bring in 150, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then do your darndest to bring that in. Um, that Craig Groeschel podcast, he's also said, um, he, when his team, uh, you know, has a goal, he likes to multiply it by a hundred. So let's say they needed to get 10 people to volunteer for this task. So then they would multiply it to where they have to get uh, so many people to volunteer. So they think, okay, how would we do it if we needed to get, you know, X amount of people to volunteer? I'm saying X because what is 10 times 100? <laughs> a thousand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, even. nobody can do oh, that. While you're um, but anyways, so I think that's a really great way to, to think is um, – is to think with like a much higher goal in mind. And Mm -hmm. then it becomes really easy when you're just trying to accomplish your smaller goal. So um, that's a fun thing. And just also know that it's okay to shift. It's okay that things are going to look different uh, in this time. And that is okay. And, you know, just our job is to just do the best with what we've been given. And there's a lot right now that is out of our control. And so do the best with what we can control and those things that are outside of our control, we have to just let go and try and find, um, you know, peace with that. And one, one thing that I think has helped me stay so positive is just my relationship with God. And I really, I really do have like a deep trust and peace that he will take care of me through this. And I know that's not something that everybody has, Mm -hmm. um, but I've found so much solace and comfort in that, that um, no matter what my business, you know, looks like, or, or the next day looks like that my worth and, and my place is is very firm in him. So um, that's one thing that if you are a person of faith, you can really, you know, draw on that right now. Um, if not, maybe explore that. I don't know. It's a good time. But um, I, I see my business as just like a tool and really a blessing that I've been given that's not even mine. It's just mine to kind of manage and steward. And so I just trust that that in the end, it will all be all right. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, but I just, I feel for you makers. I love you all out there. And um, I'm also open to if anybody wants to talk or has any ideas of collaboration to, 
please um, get up with me and I would love to talk more about that and see how we can support each other. Oh, that's so great. Where are the best places for people to find you online, Rachel? Yes, Instagram is where we like to hang out most. Our Instagram handle is Windblown Jewelry, and our website is the same, windblownjewelry.com. Um, we're horrible at Facebook. I've got to get better at that, <laughs> but um, it's facebook.com slash windblown jewelry as well. Um, but yeah, I would love to do that. My email is rachel at windblownjewelry.com if you have anything you'd like to send straight to me. But we also um, are usually pretty good at our DMs on Instagram too. Okay, great. Rachel, thank you so much for all your insight and your honesty and your candor. We so appreciate it. I know makers will really benefit from it. Oh, Emily, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode. You can find the podcast, get in touch with me, and find full show notes at makingdopodcast.com and makingdopodcast on Instagram. If you like the podcast and want to help, you can support us by reviewing the podcast on iTunes. And if you have a story of how you are making do as a maker right now, we would love to hear it and love to share it, whether anonymously or with your name. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text with your story, what you're facing, what you're struggling with at 845-202-0059. Thank you so much to Rachel and thank you to all of you for joining us. We will be back next week with another episode.